Hey there, this is John, and I want to take a quick minute to let you guys know about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. You don't even have to do anything. Your podcast will be heard on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more listening platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now back to the show. You are now entering on bar audio hello and welcome to another episode of on bar audio i'm your host tim farley and next to me is my trusted companion john Kearns. what's up everybody tonight before we get into the wrestling recap i would like to tell you all that it, it is, is still going Before we get into the wrestling recap this week, I would like you all to know that it is Thursday night, late in the evening, and today has been a very... of June 2020. (laughs) Yes. And today, if you're a part of wrestling Twitter, it has been a very uh, distressful and upsetting day. Uh... For many, many fans. Yeah. Um, there is corruption and bad people and everything. So, why should pro wrestling be viewed differently? <clears throat> to all of those people who have come out and made statements, we encourage you. We believe that you are courageous And we support you. Always. No matter what. What happens to... What happens next, we don't know. But we hope that the truth will reign supreme. And that... Hmm. And that justice, no matter where it should prevail, prevails. Yes, John. Thank you. There are names on this list that has come out today that stung pretty bad. Uh, People that we've been fans of. For, for for some of them going on a decade and to learn that these people are involved in these disgusting heinous acts sexual abuse emotional sexual abuse, abuse physical, physical abuse mental um, soliciting sexual conduct with underage 
uh, girls and and boys, men, men, men and women. <clears throat> it's always hard when someone you like is accused of stuff like this. Blackballing people who Blackballing try people. to speak out against the uh, uh, the, injustice. the, pro- the injustices. Yeah. Um, th- this is the second one of these types of or, or types of intros we've had to make just within the past month. Well, the other intro we other did on Arm Bar Nerds. On the other podcast, but it is... 2020 truly is shaping up to be just an awful, awful year. Yeah. Well, there's awful people in the world. Yeah, and unfortunately... 90% of the British wrestling scene is awful people, apparently. Uh, uh, so, let's get into the wrestling recap. Let us get into the wrestling recap. There we go. Um, before we move on, in the description of this video, there is going to be a link to a Twitter account that will explain what we just talked about. So let's move on to the to the hopefully fun part of the show. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be good. Oh, it's gonna be fun because uh, we're there's some topics that we're hot about. Yep, yep. We are going to have there's good and bad. There's gonna be a full range of emotions. <laughs> we're gonna have uh, we're gonna start. That's my line. That's your line. That's my line. All right, Rick. Calm down, Rick Flair. Uh, we're going to start with some bad, uh, some ridiculously bad, ridiculously bad. All right. So So, you can see what the photo says. (laughs) Jeff Hardy comes back to SmackDown before he comes back to SmackDown. They have like three big promos of his redemption story and all this stuff. And he's finally coming back. And that's great. And oh my god, he's beating his demons. Then they put him in a storyline with Seamus. And Seamus is trying to make him... I don't know, is he a disgruntled worker? Is he upset that he used to... That he came back? I don't know. But he's trying to... He, he, he plants alcohol on him and all this other shit. Last Friday, they made him take a piss test. He threw the piss on Seamus. They have a match at Backlash. Now, all of the signs point towards Jeff Hardy winning and his redemption story being ended so that he can move on. But did WWE do that? No. Sheamus won. Why did Sheamus win? Where does Jeff Hardy go from here? This is absolutely stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, why do you have the match if Jeff Hardy doesn't win? Even, even that aspect of it, whatever. The fact that Jeff Hardy's real life recovery is a wrestling angle is frankly disgusting. Yeah, Vince, it's not 2000 anymore. The world has changed. 
I and and I know how the business works. This has to have at some point been agreed upon, but I can't believe that Jeff agreed to it. I can't believe that they he agreed to lose. Yeah. I, I, I mean, are I, they going to drag the storyline out? I mean, come on. It was shit to begin with. It it, 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 it was definitely shit to begin with. Um, I don't understand why Sheamus is the opponent. I don't understand why the recovery is the storyline. I don't understand why Jeff lost. I don't understand why Jeff is still there. I don't... I don't understand. Exactly. As our dear friend, Mr. Warren Hayes would say, this is hot trash. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Moving on, because I'm mad already. Oh, look, we have another one. What? So... Before Backlash happened, a lot of the wrestling podcasts and that I listened to expected, and I for one expected them to lose the tag team titles, Sasha Banks and Bailey to lose the titles at Backlash to start their feud that we've all been hankering for ever since Sasha came back. That did not happen. So I said, oh, I'll wait till Wednesday when they defend against Tegan and Shotzi on NXT. That did not happen. Will we ever get Sasha versus Bailey? I don't think so. Why not? I don't think so. Because it's a money feud. Exactly. And I I I feel like when they retained I felt like I became that Dr. Phil gif where he goes. <laughs> and I was like, I, what? You've got a potential money tag team in Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox on NXT. Absolutely. And they have a feud right, right there. Dakota Kai have, and Raquel Gonzalez. You've got a bona fide guaranteed money feud with Bailey and Sasha Banks. Because it was money in NXT, and it was money on Raw. And that, let me also say this. Out of all the four horsewomen, Sasha Banks, I believe, is the best wrestler out of all four of them. And yet, I, I she has agree. not been given the same opportunities and the same pushes as the other three. I would have said that about Bailey, but this heel turn has changed it. Yeah. Now she's just playing second fiddle to Bailey, and there seems to be no end in sight for this. The feud would do great, great things for both of them, especially Sasha, and get her on a path to where she could be ranked in the four horsewomen. She's, she is, she's way below the other three. I don't want to say this because. Well, I do want to say it, but I don't... I'm not going to say that this is 100% the truth. But 
I think we can assume why Sasha Banks has not had the same opportunities given to her. Because she threw some hissy fits? And... Because she heard Paige? Well, no, but, but we know who runs this company. And we know what color Sasha Banks is. Eh, I don't agree with that. One, because Kofi Kingston won the title. Two, because two felons, yeah. R-Truth and MVP, are employed. Well, that's where true. they couldn't get employment anywhere else. That's true. Really. That's true. I mean, no one tries to hire... Likes... There is a stigma to hiring felons. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't agree with that, John. But okay, but I, it, it's something that has crossed my mind in the past. <clears throat> um, where do we go from here? I mean, we're just gonna keep waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's not gonna happen. It's dumb. If this were. Okay, he's stroking out. Yeah. If, if this were New Japan, we would know for sure that the feud was going to happen eventually. Yeah. Because New Japan does the long-term booking, I'd say, better than anyone else. Where WWE writes the script ten minutes before the show. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't get it. Um. Yeah, Sasha versus Bailey has to happen, guys. It has to. It it is. It would be. Sasha would be the face, I would assume. Yeah. Because Bailey's heel run, as as controversial of an opinion as this is, I think Bailey's heel run has been great. I I agree. <clears throat> Especially whenever she messes with the announcers and everything. Great. Exactly. Uh, we're, we're going to move on. We're, we're going to move on to the positive topic from WWE that we're going to talk about. A couple positive topics. A couple of... Po- a couple of po- oh, yes. Yes, true. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about the greatest wrestling match ever, which, if it were not billed as that, I think some would consider the greatest wrestling match ever. Or at least match of the year. It's definitely it's one of WWE's greatest matches. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but the build up was all based on being the greatest match ever. It didn't have to do with Edge or Orton, which was kind of stupid. Uh, the the they marketed it as such. So when you search that on Google, that's what comes up. But, despite all that, Edge and Randy Orton put on a fantastic fucking match. Yeah. And it proves when Randy wants to put it on, he can put it on. Absolutely. It, it, it reminded me, honestly, of the Orton-Triple H feud. With the level that Orton was wrestling at. And Edge looked fantastic for this being his first like real wrestling match back yeah he tore up <clears throat> his arms real bad it happens that happens it, it happens to everyone it, it happened to Orton uh, early on in his career um 
the piped in crowd audio was fun at first but lost its charm quickly I liked how Charles Robinson was dressed yeah I liked, I liked the, the retro the ghost outfit. of Howard Finkel that was a nice touch and I think a very fitting tribute to the Fink I liked how they pulled out the pedigree and the rock bottom and yep. uh, the unprettier or kill switch um, there was a lot of stuff there was a lot of good storytelling a lot of good pacing just really good shit and um, really good shit but was it the greatest wrestling match ever no not to me but maybe to someone definitely WWE's best match of 2020 so far yeah and, and, and that's hard to say because AJ and Brian two days prior put on a fucking clinic yeah I think that's uh, right now that's number two and number one for WWE for sure for this year uh, we're going to move on now to somebody we both like yes very much so we're going to talk about one Angel Garza where it came out recently that Vince McMahon thinks of him as a young Eddie Guerrero I think the similarities are very real. He has a charm unlike any of the other Latino superstars that they've tried to bring in since Del Rio, uh, Eric Escobar, uh, Andrade even, uh, his cousin Humberto Carrillo. This guy has the charm that they were looking for. Not only that, he can go in the ring he could speak English. Yeah. He, he to me... He deserves the praise. He deserves the similarities. And I'd love to see where his career takes him. Andrew Garza, right now, is where Alberto Del Rio would be if he wasn't a piece of shit. I don't know. I never really got into Del Rio as a see, character. I did. I did. Heavy. Big time. I thought he was going to be the next Eddie. Mm. I really did. And uh, my my great grandfather actually before he passed was um, a huge Eddie Guerrero fan, and I know in my heart that he would have loved Alberto Del Rio and he would love Andrew Garza. That will do it for WWE this episode. Yep. We're going to get into some more topics here. Uh, we're going to move on now to Impact. Yes. We're going to talk about Impact. First, we're going to talk about um, Impact's use so far of Deanna Peraza. Now, Timothy, I'm going to let you lead on this because I did not see Impact this week. That's okay. Same thing happened this week that happened last week. Supposedly, Deanna Perrazzo is being paid per appearance, so eventually down the line we may see her in other promotions. But uh, last week she came out and attacked Jordan Grace and put the Fujiwara armbar on her after Jordan successfully defended against Taya in a great match. Yeah. This week Jordan was on was being interviewed about Deanna, and Deanna 
did the same thing, attacked her, and put her on the armbar. She hasn't said a word. She doesn't have to. She let her actions speak for themselves. Slammiversary, we're going to get the Virtuosa against Thick Mama Pump, and I'm all for it. Deanna Perrazzo deserves the spotlight, especially in a promotion like Impact. Yeah. Uh, Impact Knockouts roster right now is the best female roster that isn't a Joshi promotion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, exciting things are happening in Impact. Deanna Perrazzo being number one. It is fantastic to see her in a place where she doesn't have to job to Aaliyah. And then be off screen for three months and then job to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, WWE, you... WWE bought her because they didn't want her to be at all in. Yeah. And they dropped the ball. And speaking of drop the ball... Trouble, 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 <laughs> trouble, 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 oh, trouble. Oh, 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 oh. It has been widely speculated that Slammiversary EC3 will be coming back. Oh, I'd say now it's all but confirmed. With that video. That Impact had a <laughs> TNA special, did great viewership. Uh, apparently there's still love for the TNA brand. So Moose, who has beaten a lot of the TNA originals, has taken the title, uh, the original TNA heavyweight title, and claimed himself the champion. A lot of people are saying, a lot of people, including the commentators, are saying he's not a real champion. But after Moose successfully defeated Hernandez <laughs> uh, that to hard. retain his title... <laughs> EC3's old music played. So, it seems like they're hinting towards that TNA World Heavyweight title being defended at Slammiversary, Moose versus EC3, and I'm all for it because EC3 has gotten shredded. He's doing great promos on the internet. He looks so fucking ready to Impact. Impact gave him the chance where WWE didn't. He started in WWE as Derek Bateman. He floundered. They didn't do shit with him. He went to TNA or Impact, whatever it was, and he became this EC3 character. it was still TNA at the time. And then it switched over to Impact. Um, That was actually Then he came back to WWE. They kind of did okay with him in NXT, and then they shit on him on the main roster. I I would argue that in NXT he was great. His match, his match with, I believe it was him versus Bobby Roode. Didn't he have a feud with the Dream, too? Yeah, he had a feud with the Dream. But his, his NXT title match against Bobby Roode was above and beyond anything else at the, that NXT was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think the division was pretty hot then. I I would go there. Okay, so singles. Okay. Hey. Bump it. WWE, you dropped the ball with Deonna Prazo, you dropped the ball with EC3, and they now are where they belong. Yes. Moving on. 
we're going to now talk about NXT. Yay! We haven't talked about NXT in a while. That's true. Because there was the some weekly shit shows. going on. Yep. There was a lot of happenings. We're going to talk about one of the most fascinating storylines going right now. This shit's wild. El Hijo del Fantasma took off his mask and declared himself Santos Escobar, and the two masked men were Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde. They kidnapped themselves. Who were the other guys that kidnapped them? Exactly. I, I don't know. But, goons. A couple goons. Uh, this all happened whenever Drake Maverick congratulated El Hijo del Fantasma and wanted another match. He said yes. Masked men come out. This was two weeks ago. Uh, beat down Drake. That's whenever he revealed himself. This week, Santos Escobar called them, the three of them, El, El Leg Legendario de Fantasma. El Legendario de Fantasma. Yeah, something like that. And uh, Which I assume means the Legend of Fantasma. He's uh, saying he's the legacy is ending. He's making a new legacy for the name and for his family. Um, he, uh, I think, I always wondered why it took him so long to debut on NXT because they had him for oh, well over a year. Right. And I think it was because he was learning English because he could. He speaks English better than. The rest of the Latin, oh, yeah, home, uh, WWE homeboys. Wrestling. Homeboys promo was fire, straight fire, on NXT. Drake Maverick had some big old balls. Went after all three of oh, them, yeah. but uh, ended up getting Phantom Drive through a table, which, which was awesome because that's how you want a powerful stable to look like. Um, very intrigued by this. I'm all for it. I'm glad it's happening. Yep. So, uh, yeah. These guys, big fans of Santos Escobar. Excited to see where he goes with the Cruiserweight title. We're going to move on now to a very entertaining segment that took place on NXT this week. Uh, it was called Undisputed Therapy? Yes. Yeah. And they were doing it in-house. In-house. Kyle O'Reilly was in disguise as a therapist... With a hilarious voice. Roderick Strong is very scared of getting into a trunk. Dexter Loomis has, has, has broken this man mentally. And possibly emotionally. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this would have had more of an impact if Bobby and Roderick didn't come right back the next on the next NXT. Yeah. Like, if Loomis kept them for a while. But, and, it, and it's kind of weird that Roddy is the only one affected. Bobby's not saying anything <laughs> about it. Like I think something happened to Roddy. <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, this... I do think... Um, this segment was very funny. Very good. I think it would have been fantastic if the therapist was uh, Dexter Loomis. I would have thought... I, I was calling Dr. Shelby. Yeah, Dr. Shelby. I miss Dr. Whatever happened to Dr. Shelby? Huh. 
he got he he got mad at Kane and Daniel Bryan that one time and would never seen from again. He was he was involved in something. <laughs> doesn't matter, John. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't matter, I guess. But it was something with one of the women that they were. Oh yeah, I don't remember. I don't it remember. Was, but it was. It was probably Nia Jax and uh, Alexa Bliss when when they did that whole Alexa was bullying Nia thing. So that, that's we were also on our takeover uh, show. We talked about I talked about Dexter Loomis and Velveteen Dream possibly becoming tag champs. Yeah, that's what Dexter Loomis wants because he drew a picture and gave it to Dream, but Dream said he is a single act, He's a solo act, baby. Yeah, a solo act, baby. So I wonder what Loomis is going to do with that information. Probably kill him. <laughs> I don't know, but Loomis is a very intriguing character. Oh yeah, I'm, 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 I'm liking, I'm liking what I'm, we're getting. I'm liking it a lot. Big, big announcement from Mister Regal this week with uh, with double championship implications. So I believe next week Keith Lee, well. This all started with Adam Cole and Keith Lee in the back. And the hourglass was there. Some jaw jacking. And Keith Lee said uh, that you shouldn't be worried about carrying cross because I'm coming first. And he broke the hourglass. He comes out to talk to Cole. Johnny comes out, says that his eyes are on the North American title still because he pinned Keith Lee last week. Keith Lee made some funny jokes about how he helped Candace and was more worried about her than her own husband. Uh, and then I was wondering, well, I said, John, didn't Balor said he was going after Keith Lee? You said yes. And out came Balor. And Balor said after he gets the North American title, he looked right at Adam Cole. I'm coming for that NXT title. So... We got these four men jaw jacking, and uh, William Regal appears. What does William Regal say? <clears throat> so William Regal lays down the gauntlet for these four men. Um, next week we will see a triple threat contest between Keith Lee, Johnny Gargano, and Finn Balor uh, for the North American for the title. North American title. The winner of that match, the North American champion, will go on to July 8th to face Adam Cole. Winner takes all. Winner takes all. We're going to have our first double champion in NXT. Then we saw the hourglass, the shards being picked up by Scarlet, and then Karrion Cross stepping on the glass. Interesting. Very interesting. Karrion Cross. Uh, so, basically, what we're saying is whatever happens at some point after July 8th, uh, Karrion Cross is going to be the North American and NXT champion. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> okay. It is time to move on to. AEW Dynamite. We're first going to talk a little bit about the Dark Order. We're going to talk a lot of bit about the Dark Order. A lot of bit about the Dark Order. 
it's going to be about half of the AEW segment here. Uh, first off, we've got... We had a match between Anna Jay and a debuting superstar that we will talk about in just a moment. Um, Anna Jay loses this match. And... The Dark Order arrives. They do not... They didn't appear to offer a mask or anything of the sort. But, um, I think it was Ten that wears the, the hood thing. Or maybe, ten and five. Maybe five. Yeah, it was definitely Alan Angel. So it was five and I think ten wears the hood. Uh, they helped Anna J up and escorted her to the back. And she got a handshake from Mr. Brody. And I'm all for the Dark Order picking up a female. Pick, picking up a female. I did not, however, <laughs> think it was going to be Anna J. Yeah. I thought it was going to be her her, her opponent. Her opponent. Don't say it. Because <laughs> she would fit the Dark Order oh, really definitely. well. I think even if they wanted to bring in Nyla Rose, <laughs> she could mold her character to a more the dark the dark path. Uh, she she's very villainous, as it were. She could be somewhat like a female Brody Lee. Yeah. Uh, but Anna Jay's opponent was so good that she got a contract. Yes. And that woman is. <laughs> so we've got two signees. Number one, we've got Abaddon. Abaddon um, appeared on AEW Dark a while back and faced Hikaru Shida and captivated the audience then, and people have been talking about her ever since. John, she is legitimately frightening. Yes. And today, on Facebook, I tagged you and Sid, and I don't know if you saw it, people put pictures of her before she became this Abaddon character. She's actually very attractive. Huh. Interesting. But uh, Abaddon frightens me. Yeah, we've got... She's like... She looks like a character out of the Nobody's video from Marilyn Manson. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's like a, 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 a like boogeyman mixed with like the Fiend and kind of like... It's insane. See, I'm totally getting like Rob Zombie, Marilyn Rob Manson. Rob Zombie. Yeah, well, she does call herself the Zombie, which I think is... A hilarious nickname, and I love it. So, congratulations to Abaddon, and congratulations to the other signee of NWA Power Fame, Absolute Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks is a bona fide superstar in the making. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'd love to see him feud with Sammy Guevara. His match with Cody on Dynamite was, in fact, Dynamite. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, very happy about these two signings. Um, like I said, I want to see Ricky Stark since the Spanish guy go at it. I got to say, I got to say, I think AEW is being so, so smart about who they sign. Yep. It's so good. Everything about it's good. I don't care. Call me a show. Call me a mark. Everything AEW does is fucking good. Yep. And entertaining. Remove, remove you. Let's talk about boom, boom, 
Colt Cabana. Boom, boom. Colt Cabana. Boom, boom. I'm not doing it again, Colt Cabana. John. It's Colt Cabana. He's in the dark order. So, <laughs> as they were carrying Anna J to the back, Evil Uno presented Colt Cabana, who was at ringside, with a contract. And we later found out that the contract was for a tag match with Mr. Brody Lee against... The National Nightmares. No. No? Natural Nightmares are facing FTR. Oh, against Sony uh, Kiss and yeah. Joey Janela yeah, next Kiss. week. And apparently we Colt signed this contract. We even, we even messed that up when we talked about it when During we were the watching show. the show. We <laughs> so uh, the, the New Jersey Express, I think, is what the working title for Sony Kiss and Joey Janela is. But uh, either way, yeah. it all started when they got gave him a bottle of water, put and said some things to him. A then the next cloudy body. Then the next week, Colt entered their uh, locker room, and now this week he's signing a contract to be in a tag team at least at least once uh, with Brody Lee. So it looks like they're if he's joining the Dark Weird. Order. It's not going to be right away. They're slowly doing this, which I enjoy. Yeah, definitely. I uh, also think this would be a yeah, good way. Yeah, how you? What's wrong? Hopefully. This would be a good way to give Colt a little bit more depth of character. That's what he's I'm been, saying, He's man. been playing the same role for years. And I love Colt Cabana. I always have. I, 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 I sincerely hope that this makes you care about Colt Cabana. Because I do. <laughs> um, His match with Jericho is good. If Colt Cabana joins the Dark Order, Kenny is going to have a very hard time keeping him off of BTE because he's going to have a lot of bodyguards. <laughs> and he can barely handle Harrington. <laughs> Let's talk about the best thing to come out of AEW this week. Two matches for Fighter Fest were signed. Hikaru Shida's putting her title on the line against Penelope Ford. Chris Statlander's injured uh, with a knee injury. Not good shit. Penelope Ford has been featured in those four-way good matches shit. in the tag title. Uh, the tag matches. Britt's hurt. So it makes sense that it's going to Penelope. Britt's in the trash. The other match was announced at the end of Dynamite. Least sex gods... Yes. The sex gods face the best friends for the number one contendership to the tag titles. A cameraman uh, pulled Jericho's foot? Or pulled Sammy's foot. Sammy's foot. And I said that's Orange Cassidy. It ended up being Orange Cassidy. Orange then beat Jericho's ass. He whooped that ass. So, we're getting... Freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy against Le Champion, Chris Jericho of Fighter Fest. And I am very excited because Jericho is a great businessman. He knows how to put over talent. He knows how to make talent. And Orange Cassidy is one of, the, one of if not the hottest things, in AEW. Yeah, say what you will about the persona, the gimmick. Say what you will. If you look up the word over in the dictionary, there's a picture of Orange Cassidy next to it. And, and on Wednesday, he was 
firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Like, he messed around with Pac a little bit. He messed around here and there in other matches and put it on. But whenever he went after Jericho, it was full. And that was cool. I yeah, liked it. Loved it. <clears throat> so, that does it for AEW Dynamite. Uh, AEW Dynamite, NXT, both. A. Very good shows. Hey. We're going to move on to the return. Hallelujah. The boys are back in town. Well, not our town. They're back in their town. But we get to watch them be in their town. I don't know what I'm saying. Let's show the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> the New Japan Cup is back, baby. Round one began with the left side of the bracket. Very good stuff throughout both shows. Some weird, some weirdness, but we'll talk about it. Started off on uh, the 16th with Makabe versus Yoda Suji. Yoda Suji is very promising. This was a really good match. Uh, I loved how he didn't tap out right away. I loved his pinning combination. Uh, like I said earlier in the past episode, uh, he is, in the Bragatology episode, he is primed for never open weight competition. Absolutely. Uh, we then got Toriyano versus Giotto. Let's talk about this. Yano's act does not work without a crowd. At all. Yes, because his incessant yelling and yammering was annoying as shit. The beginning of the match where he was spraying sanitizer at Giotto and sanitizing his hands was funny and good. And everything after that, I don't need to see Giotto, Giotto in the ring ever. Ever again. The thing that I did like about this match uh, and the other uh, the, was that they, they brought back old Bullet Club tactics. Yujiro got involved. Other people got involved. Uh, that's about all I'll have to say about that. Yano won. The double nut shot to Jado and Gato made me happy. Because fuck Jado and Gato. But uh, uh, the hi, Yano Toru. Hi, Yano Toru. I liked that part. And I liked it because the, the commentators started chanting with them. That I liked. <laughs> We got Hanma versus Hiromu, and I didn't know that Hanma could still put on this good of a match. Did anybody know this? I don't know, but it was was surprisingly really good. Hiromu won with the time bomb. Hiromu was such a good opponent for Hanma. Yeah. Such a good opponent for Hanma. He, He is so... Hiromu Takahashi is so good. He wrestles this style that looks balls to the walls insane, but at the same time is so safe. Yep. And when you're wrestling Hanma, you gotta be safe. Because this guy came back. He's had multiple neck injuries. From an injury 
that no one should ever be able to come back from. Right. And Hiroma did too. And the first night was capped off by Ishii versus Desperado. I didn't know I wanted this match until I watched the Together Project where Ishii and Uemura took on uh, Kanamaru and Desperado. And I thought it was fantastic. And this match lived up to my expectations. Yeah. Uh, I really liked how Desperado worked the leg of Ishii uh, using the stretch muffler a lot. Uh, obviously, Ishii got the win. Uh, good stuff. Very good. And uh, El Desperado... Probably my favorite member of Suzuki going other than ZSJ. And Suzuki? Suzuki is like in his own category. Right. Like, for real. Desperado <laughs> should be in the position Tai Chi is in. Bingo. Bingo. Desperado 100%. is so much better than Tai Chi. So much better. Uh, night two, June 17th, we got uh, the action started. With Gabriel Kidd of the LA Dojo against the Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori. Taiji Ishimori with the Shredder Helmet. Badass. I love that. Badass. I love that shit. <laughs> oh my god. I loved the the Turtles when I was a kid. So I loved that shit. I'll talk about Nagata and Suzuki. You carry the rest. Okay. Uh, I watched the first two matches while I was half asleep, and I did not watch Gato versus Okada. I watched the first ten minutes, and I was just like, uh. The fact that you said first ten minutes is a crime in and of itself. That match should have been five minutes long. Right. Like, o Okada should have just came out with a fucking gun and shot him and, 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 and fucked off. Well, if it was DDT <clears throat> a few years ago, he probably would <clears throat> I started a lot there because I was so pissed. All right, so Gabriel Kidd and Ishimori. Gabriel Kidd and Ishimori. Um, fast action, really fast action. Hard hitting. Gabriel Kidd, very promising. Um, all three young lions in this tournament, the excursions are going to be so beneficial for them because they're already so good. <clears throat> Taji Ishimori continues to hold his place as one of my favorite members of Bullet Club. 100%. Dude shredded. Dude shredded. Dude invents moves. Yeah. Invents moves that people in WWE use. Nakamura thanked him. Nakamura thanked him. I didn't even think he'd be allowed to. But he did. Because fuck everybody else. Shinsuke does what he wants. Uh, Gabriel Kidd is fantastic. That's all I'm going to say. Taiji Shimori picked up the victory. Uh, we're going to move on now to... I can never remember this guy's name. Umura and Kanamaru. Yaya Umura and Kanamaru. I picked Kanamaru to win. And Kanamaru won. But I wish it would have been the other way around. Because Umura, huh? Umura took it to Ken Kenamaru, Kenamaru. Unlike any young lion I've ever seen go at Suzuki Gun, this kid, the night before in the big tag match showcase match, 
went at Suzuki and backed that dude into the fucking corner. And he's a young lion. He's fighting for all the young lions that have been abused <laughs> by Suzuki. <laughs> While well, Suzuki comes with the ice pack after yeah, the match. <laughs> this kid is fearless. So fearless and so good at what he does already. And Kanamaru, um, this to me is his best match that I've ever seen. Like I said, he can okay. still go. He can still go. Talking about still going. Talking about still going. Murder Grandpa 1 versus Murder Grandpa 2. Holy shit. Blue Justice reigns supreme. These two slapped, I thought, kicked the shit out of each other. I thought we were going to have to call the fucking police. I thought we were going to see a murder. <laughs> and finally, what did it was Nagata pulled out two plexes. I forget what the first one was, but the second one was like a Saito or backdrop. Yeah. And he won the match. I think the first one was just a German. But, but like, they did not do a wrestling move the entire time before that. They just it beat the shit out of each other. forearm. Slap, forearm. Slap, forearm. Nagata's left ear by the end of the match... I'd be surprised if he can hear out of it now. Shit was intense. Um, Suzuki lost because for a split second he lost focus. The split second that he missed one of those shots, he was done. And that is how you know how good the match was. Yep. You know how you know how good New Japan is. I was adding matches to my list for June before the starting before the opening bell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gato and Okada. Gato and Okada. My second viewing of the match, I enjoyed way more than the first. Because on the second viewing, I noticed all the shit that Gato was trying to pull. It was so good. Did he have like a can opener? He had. Uh, it would be easier to list what he didn't have. <laughs> so he comes out with his arm in a sling. Right. Now, just the night before, he looked fine. <laughs> so he comes out, he's like, oh, oh, my arm, oh, I can't fight. I can't fight, Okada! <laughs> That's how he talks. I love it. Uh, Red Shoes wants nothing of this. <laughs> He's like, hey, you're full of shit, mate. <laughs> if he was British, that's how he would sound. <laughs> you fucking didn't. Um, <laughs> so Okada comes out, and when he sees Gato, he's already like, fuck this guy. <laughs> like, already. Okada's been waiting to get his hands on Gato for so long. And he wasn't going to let this opportunity leave. So, Red Shoes finally convinces Gato to remove the sling. And as he's removing the sling, what happens? Boom! He's got a can of mace or something. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. Something in his hand that he goes to spray and Okada just slaps it out of his hand. And Red Shoes picks it up and holds it up 
like a disappointed father when he finds the pack of cigarettes. That's what he looked like. It was... I don't understand. Red Shoes? Red Shoes is the best character in New Japan. I'm going to say... I'll say it. That's my hot take. Red Shoes is the best referee who ever lived. Uh, I love Earl Hebner. I love Aubrey Edwards. He I love Red Brett. Shoes. I love Aubrey Edwards. If Aubrey, if Aubrey Edwards and Red Shoes were refereeing a match together... Aubrey they, Edwards' old name was Girl Hebner. That's hilarious. If they were all refereeing a match together, there could be a murder and no DQ would, would, would take place. <laughs> so what ultimately happened in this match? Um, Okada won. Duh. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. So... After the macing attempt was thwarted, Gator says, okay, all right. And the bell rings, and he just lays down. He's going to let Okada pin him. Right, and then he he tried, to, he tried to roll him up. He tried to roll him up, but then Okada starts stomping him in the fucking head. And he goes into his jacket and pulls out a, pair, a set of brass knuckles. And he's like, oh, what's this? <laughs> so, I counted at the end of the, by the end of the match no less than five sets of brass knuckles that were hidden throughout the arena. Um, there was one tucked into... Th- there was one that was in a slit that had been cut in the turnbuckle pad. <laughs> there was one that was slipped under the mat... <laughs> There was... He had another one on his person somewhere. I don't remember where. But also... So... But before all that happened... Gato lifts up his shirt... And he has taped to himself... A wrench... (laughs) That he... That he starts smacking... I'm not gonna lie. He beat the shit out of Okada for like for like five minutes, <laughs> with all matter of paraphernalia. He he used a wrench. He pulled a table out from under the ring. No, not from under the ring. He stole the table from the commentator. Right. Booth. I remember seeing that. And just started beating Okada with it. And it's like that's not how you use a table. Um. He kept trying to grab a chair, but he was doing it on purpose to distract Red Shoes because Red Shoes would take the chair off of him, and then he'd have something else that he'd start hitting Okada with. So, but eventually, finally, all the weapons are used up. They're all gone. They've all been confiscated by Red Shoes. There should have been a DQ at second five of the match. <laughs> but finally, Okada gives Gato the beating he deserves. And moves on to round two. So, round two on the left side is Togi Makabe versus Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, Toru Yano versus Hiromu Takahashi, which should be exciting. Hilarious. Uh, Kanamaru versus Ishimori. Ishimori. Which should be good. Nice showcase for the junior heavyweights. And Shark of the Century, Nagata versus Versus Okada. So, with that, 
wherever you are in the world, whether it's morning, noon, or night. This is it. You don't want to talk that about... That is the outro. We hope you enjoyed the new format. All right, go ahead. We hope you enjoyed the new format. And wherever you are in the world, whether it's morning, <laughs> noon, or night, you have a great one, and peace, love to all of you. Bang! Bang.